Welcome to the Young IPA Podcast. I'm James. This is Pete. G'day, everyone. It is the 3rd of October. This is episode 129. We've got a big show coming up. We're going to be talking to Daisy Cousins, Sky News commentator, YouTube star. We're going to be talking to her about this whole Trump-Russia thing and, uh, sorry, the Trump-Ukraine thing Mm -hmm. and how Australia's found its way into it and a bunch of other stories with her as well. We're also going to be talking to Angus Heaton, one of the IPA's campus coordinators. He's got this event on energy coming up and there's a few other things like life in South Australia, I think one of the topics yep yeah. <laughs> yeah that's one of the things we're gonna cover i don't know you booked it mate uh and uh what else we got we got uh the rmit confucius center the new story with that we have trump and russia facial recognition database a whole bunch of stuff we're going to be yep. doing heroes and villains anything you're looking forward to pete mate i'm really looking forward to my hero this week because it's one of my favorites ever <laughs> but okay <laughs> before we get into that i've got something i want to discuss with you james right okay now Saul, if you could just if you just could if you could just play a little bit of footage from the weekend thanks mate a second to go. The Tigers are premiers for the 12th time in their history. Oh, yeah, right. so for people who are only listening, Pete was just playing a few highlights of uh, the Richmond Tigers celebrating their premiership win. That's right. Go Tigers. Uh, oh, they've oh, again. There it is. All right, sweet. Uh, yeah, huge day for me. Yeah. Uh, What'd you get up awesome. to? Uh, just went to the game with uh, our mate Rob, yeah. and after that, went to a house party. And I'll just say, yeah, sober October couldn't have come quick enough. Oh, that's right. So you've called you've called sober October. Your celebrations were that big. That's, yeah, that's what we're getting into. Yeah, now. we need to we need to change a few things. But I will be wearing <laughs> the scarf for the rest of the show. Uh, all right, so let's have a modicum of seriousness here. Okay, uh, let's get into it. Yeah, yep. because as much as I could talk about Richmond's victory mm. all, all show, and I just might, we mm. don't know. I, I might just grow a bit weary of this whole world of politics and uh, talk about Basha Hooley. Anyway, uh, so the Trump impeachment stuff is our first story here. Yep. And this is something that I don't, like, I, I read like five different articles and I still mm. don't quite get what happened. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to say this as well. I don't think anyone knows what happened. Well, not yet. Yeah, so... It's, it's this classic thing of like the Australian media, the second that Australia as a country gets brought up into the world of Trump and the world of the Ukraine stuff, the Australian lo- media loses its mind. Yeah. It doesn't have any idea what... It's, it's like a dog chasing a car. It's yeah. like it's finally got it. It has no idea what to do with it. They only thought about the excitement beforehand. We're finally on the world stage. Exactly. So w- what we do know is that uh, Joe... Ho- like I think the big thing is that Joe Hockey wrote to... U.S. Attorney General Barr and said that Australia is going to cooperate with uh, the investigation. Mm -hmm. And that apparently is a terrible thing that needs to be discussed in the media for an entire week. But when you think about it for like longer than five seconds, you're like, hang on, that doesn't seem like that big a story. No, it doesn't. And I like that it all started with Alexander Downer having a beer in London. Yeah. And had a bit of a chat with someone from the Trump administration and then, you know, that's all kicked off from there. Yeah, so, like, uh, what Pete's talking about there is, like, so, yeah, Dan is meeting with Papadopoulos, who was a Trump aide, and there was, like, the idea that Papadopoulos thought that the Russians were about to drop something on Clinton. Mm. Dan reports that to the Australians. The Australians report that to Americans. And, like, that seems to be ground zero for the Trump-Ukraine-Russia thing. And then the fact that Australia wants to help out with the investigation then brings Australia into it and suddenly it's like, well, does Scott Morrison have too close a relationship with President Donald Trump? That's right, yeah. yeah. And we'll be talking in more detail, of course, about this with uh, Daisy Cousins later. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, it, it's this classic thing of like every Trump impeachment story or, or like any story about Trump is just a Rorschach test. Like, that a was just sorry? A Rorschach test. Like, they I were not just, what that is. You know those like inkblot tests? So they put an inkblot in front of you and you've got to say what you see? 
Uh, no, but all right. anyway. <laughs> that's all right. The pun right. So you were a uh, well-structured child. Okay, <laughs> interesting. All right. So anyway, so the, yeah, it's like an inkblot. You just say what you see. Like, oh, I see a cloud, or I see two ladybirds, and stuff like that. But anyway, every Trump story is just like, here are the facts, and you are just going to see what you want to see. If you want to see impeachment, you're going to see impeachment. If you want to see Trump's the best, you're going to see Trump's the best. Mm. If you're like me, you just see a big inkblot. <laughs> Like, that's all you say. Yeah, look, I don't think he's going to get impeached. That's the main thing. Like, yeah. I mean, there's been no US president's ever been impeached in history. Nixon resigned before he's about to get impeached, obviously. Clinton uh, Clinton lied to a grand jury, which I believe is better than a normal jury, <laughs> and didn't uh, end up... It's like a grand final's better than a normal final. That's right, that's right. Uh, didn't end up uh, getting impeached. Yeah. So, well, you know, this conversation, well, it's a bit grubby, you know, trying to get Ukraine to investigate Joe Biden's son. Yeah, right. It's not, it's not something that the general public is is that kind of, uh, they don't like it, but he's not going to get impeached. Yeah, the Donald Trump, like um, the me- US media should have followed the, our in-house rule in the podcast, which is wait three days before you talk about a story because they went so early with the impeachment stuff and then it yeah. comes out like, oh, the transcripts come out. And again, it's another Rorschach test. Like if you want impeachment, you can see it. If you don't, you don't. But it just seems like a classic Donald Trump doesn't really stick to what's mm. supposed to be talked about in the script and suddenly pops into his head and he just brings it up and it's not a threat but it you know if you really wanted it to be a threat you can interpret it that way mm. just a classic thing yeah. so yeah i'm with you i don't think he's going to get impeached and this is exactly the kind of stuff that's going to make sure he wins 2020 by an even bigger margin yes i think this will make more people vote for him in the end uh so closer to home the rmit confucius center has had an issue so obviously we had rmit last just week an issue. <laughs> yeah, just a just an issue i uh, had an issue last week with uh with the teacher that they're encouraging people to go to the climate march. In fact, giving them credits for that. Another bad story from RMIT. So the Chinese government, so they have a Confucius Centre like other, like 13 other universities around Australia. We've got 14 IPA Generation Liberty coordinators. So we are winning, but it's a close run thing. Uh, and uh, so what emerged during the week was that uh, the contract for this Confucius Centre with RMIT University uh, has a clause in it, which a few other universities also have a clause that's similar, saying that the Chinese government has overriding authority over teaching at the Confucius Institute. Is that a good thing or a bad thing? I think on balance it's a bad thing, James. Uh, so the clause is the institute must accept the assessment of the Confucius uh, Institute headquarters uh, on the teaching quality. So now I did mention there's a few other universities that also have this clause. It's emerged over time. University of Queensland, Griffith University, La Trobe University, uh, and Charles Darwin University. Uh, where's the backlash, James, when they tried to have the Ramsey Centre at Sydney University? A hundred academics wrote, uh, signed an open letter, and they said it was, uh, what was it, white supremacy writ large, I believe. Yet this is apparently fine. Yeah, well, uh, because the Chinese government's just a bit scarier than mm. the Ramsey Foundation. Yeah. The other thing I like is like the classic educa- education debate is like, oh, who should decide what their kids learn? Should the mm. kids decide? Should the parents decide? Should the teachers decide? And now like the fourth person's come in, the Chinese government, should they decide? Yeah, exactly. And yeah. They, they've, they've sort of said, we'll do it. Yeah, yeah. And, and I know it's a university, but I like the idea of like a parent-teacher night where this, this is just also a representative of the Chinese government, just making sure everything's okay. Yeah. Uh, anyway, uh, yeah, just... It's a classic story, and you're right. Like, where is the outrage? Uh, all right, another story uh, we've got is so facial recognition database mm. is becoming a bigger and bigger thing. So it's building up to the nationwide rollout of the National Driver License Facial Recognition Solution in December. And what's happened this week is that the Victorian government has uh, uploaded all of Victorian driver's licenses. So if you've had your driver's license photo taken the last couple of months, you're now part of a national register uh, of like, sorry, a national database of, uh, I'm, I'm blanking on the word, um, driver's licenses. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the one. Uh, so it's, and 
it's a classic wheel out of government talking points on it where it's like, oh, uh, the data is only available to state-based agencies in Victor- including Vic Roads and Victoria Police mm-hmm. and no one's ever going to be to- uh, able to touch it. It's only going to be used for bad guys. Uh, and it's like, I just love the idea that the data, so going to the data will only be available to state-based agencies. They're talking about the data, so yeah, the, like the spokesman saying uh, the data will only be available to state-based agencies, including Vic Roads and Victoria Police. And then the article takes a bit of a turn because it says at that point, uh, a journalist asked what about the possibility that it gets hacked? And the spokesman said, look over there and then ran away. <laughs> uh, and then the other part of it is like the justification would for what would be the most significant compulsory collection of personal data since my health record is cracking down on identity fraud yeah. because nothing is ever going to stop identity fraud like a large centralized collection yeah. of all these people's personal information yeah. like i know i'm hitting the hacking thing a lot but it exists oh yeah and like, it's such a terrifying fear who's going to be better at hacking like hackers out there or some bureaucrat who's like oh i know the system that can like do you know what i mean like there's no way that they can guarantee that this is protected. yeah like literally this week a bunch of hospitals got hacked into and like yeah. pl- patients uh records were there like if you think your driver's license is going to be okay with the federal government's mm. uh thing then you're an idiot <laughs> like th- this is 100 percent going to get hacked and, exa- uh, and they say you know like we're gonna we're really going to use it in a certain way you know we're not going to abuse it and then a few years down the track it emerges that like 60 government agencies are using it as opposed to the two or three that said they yeah. were using it in the first place you know? didn't like a fisheries body have access to people's metadata there for a while well I'm not sure but it sounds like they need it James <laughs> I don't think you know yeah. credit where it's due the other part of it is so they say like oh we're, we're going to use this for cracking down on criminals so mm. here's a fun fact so London's, me- London's Metropolitan Police used automated facial recognition in trials in 2016 and 2017 and do you want to give me an idea like give me a guess of what you think were uh, how, how many people were wrongly identified through the use of facial recognition? Well, I did read this, but I think it's like ninety eight percent. It is ninety eight percent. Now, if I, if you are wrong ninety eight percent of the time, yep. then first off, you're better at me than my job. <laughs> but second, you should not have that level of power over yeah. people, and you shouldn't have their facial recognition database until at least you can come up with something that's like maybe ninety eight percent or a hundred percent positive. Yeah. Yeah. These are my points. No, nah, look, and it also look as we say, I don't know enough about this stuff. It's very creepy to people, and um, you know, government are just not in a position yet to deal with this information. Yes, I'm concerned. But also, we upload so much weird stuff about ourselves <laughs> to Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. But anyway, <laughs> I, like it's just one of those ones. We got to figure out how we do that. All right. Uh, so, major story four. So, ACT is bringing in cannabis, Pete. Well, they're legalizing it. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> bringing it in. Back the truck up. Yeah. Bring it in. Uh, <laughs> uh, it's small mm. how much uh, it's been legalized yep. but uh, it's the first state or territory in australia to bring it in so under laws passed on wednesday adults in the act will a- be able to grow two cannabis plants each the law says the plants cannot be grown in public or be accessible to children so uh fascists fascists <laughs> <laughs> no but like i actually think this is a really good thing and uh the main thing is like i just don't get as a country how we go like we absolutely cheer every time, right? And rightly so. We cheer like mad every time Bob Hawke takes a uh, like a and rightly a so. of the cricket. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's always a great thing. Like, but a nation that idolizes Bob Hawke or like Murph uses plane rides, mm. for us to turn into complete cops the second weed gets brought up mm. is a bit inconsistent for me. Oh, I agree as well. I think people should be able to smoke marijuana if they want. Yes. Actually, one of the problems with this plan is that uh, apparently it's difficult to grow marijuana plants in winter in Canberra. Yeah, so that's uh, yeah the article says like as any Canberra gardener can attest. <laughs> yeah. like, how many gardeners are there out there yeah. trying to get high off their own supply? But that's anyway, right. 
Uh, and the, also, the other part of this I want to bring in. So the law is going to come into effect. The legalization is going to come into effect from January 31, 2020. Now, how do you not do it in April? How do you not do it in 0420? <laughs> <laughs> if you're going to do legalization, how do you not do it in they April They missed a trick there, mate. That's exactly when they should do it. I was like, hang on, what is he on about? Yeah. What, why April? Um, what I'm on about is yeah. absolute genius. Nah, you're right there, James. They should do that. And look, uh, what was I going to say? Look, I think this is a good thing because everyone, you know, in Canberra, of course, is where they invent laws. Yep. Uh, should we put in that legislation this week about banning this? Uh, yeah. Just relax, mate. Let's do it yeah, Exactly. The one, like, if, if you're not sold on the prospect of people uh, smoking marijuana, when, you know, there's arguments to be made for it. Surely the concept of government bureaucrats being less efficient and less yeah. motivated, yeah. surely that wins you over. Well, that's a the playoff, bit. isn't it? Yeah. So. All right, let's go to the heroes and villains segment. Sorry. Heroes, every week we award people that stand up for. Oh, boy. There's that ticket. <laughs> Saul's just a broke man. Saul will just wait until the moment when we're not expecting it and then just play the pig sound. <laughs> he waits a week right. for that moment. Uh, so, yeah, basically uh, that's a snort of freedom. Grunt the pig. Yeah. Uh, the pig wants banned from walking because he's a pig. Um, and we just award Grunt the Pig Freedom mm-hmm. Snouts to anyone that has stood up for freedom this week. So, Pete, uh, you said you were looking forward to it. You said it was your favourite hero you've ever done. Talk to us. I, it is one of my favourite heroes I've ever done. Oh, Marvel scaled Stadium. Scaled it back a bit. Yeah. Uh, Marvel Stadium, October 6th in Melbourne. The UFC is in town. And with the UFC will come the Octagon Girls. Now, the Octagon Girls, for those who don't know, are women in bikinis who sort of announced, there we go, we've gone on the screen for the YouTube people, uh, holding up the round number. Uh, we all know what Everyone we're talking about. Everyone stopped listening to you, Pete. We all know what we're talking about there. Melbourne Lord Mayor has said that the Octagon Girls are sexist and backward. Uh, and outdated, she said, it's 2019. Do we really need scantily clad women to wander around the middle of a fighting ring between rounds? Now, that's sort of just a comment that she's made. We've seen uh, grid girls sacked from F1 and walk-on girls are no longer part of the darts. James, I know you're a big darts fan. Now, you're probably thinking, Pete, just likes chicks in bikinis. And I do, but that is not the point. This is a serious point here. We saw in Bendigo uh, at a boxing event, Bendigo and Victoria a few weeks ago, the, uh, the promoters of the boxing event actually uh, replaced all the female ring girls with male ring blokes or whatever. Uh, So effectively all these women who had jobs got sacked for these weedy, nerdy little guys in slacks and shirt holding up. Oh, it's round four now. So where was the feminist outrage that uh, men are coming in taking female jobs? Well, I don't, how can you possibly say you're empowering women when you're literally making them unemployed? Yeah, exactly. Like if anything's going to hurt the gender pay gap, it is the fact that women are no longer employed and men are taking those jobs. I don't get it. And you just say, oh, well, you wouldn't know your own mind. You're obviously making bad decisions. Now, Callista Thomas, she was one of these women up in Bendigo. She said to undermine my work as a ring card, and call it sexualized, I feel is absolutely discriminatory. Never in my time in the ring or at the fights have I been made to feel less worthy for being there. Now, I'm, I can't believe in 2019, we really think that, you know, a woman who's confident in her body and confident in, uh, you know, and enjoys male attention, we're like, well, that's a problem. Yeah, yeah. She, must, she mustn't know her own mind. Yeah, I we, know better what's good for her than yeah, she does. We better make decisions for her because she can't possibly do that. So... Uh, in lieu of all that, the Octagon Girls and the UFC, because the UFC came out and defended the, their role. Mm-hmm. You're my hero this week. The other part of the story I really liked is back to uh, Lord Mayor Lord Mayor Sally Cap's uh, statement. Do we really need scantily clad women to wander around in the middle of a fighting ring? No one needs anything. Yeah, yeah. Like, you just need oxygen and water. Like, it, the rest of it is just gravy. But I do like the idea... <laughs> the rest of it. <laughs> like, just anything Everybody else. else yeah. Anything else is just pure want. Yeah. And if you want something... Go get it. Uh, 
though I do think we should praise a uh, politician or yeah, yeah, so we should praise a politician for reverting back to we should only provide people with needs. Like yeah. only every politician would just like, what do we need to do rather mm. than what do we want to do? Well, so you're very nice to Sally there. I couldn't find anything. And the thing, the boxes are the boxes are uh, scantily clad as well. Yeah. You know, like we're just celebrating the human form. Yeah, exactly. Uh, anyway. Uh, all right. So uh, my hero of the week is Todd Phillips. So the Joker coming out this week, it is going to be the most controversial movie of 2019. Really? Uh, there's already a bunch of uh, articles coming out of like, oh, should this even be done? A lot of blue check marks on Twitter are getting into it. Like, uh, how dare we provide a platform? I mean, I think we've got a bit of the trailer uh, ready for we us do, to yeah. go. Uh, and you can sort of see like, this is basically an incel anthem. For my whole life, I didn't know if I even really existed, but I do. And people are starting to notice. Yeah, so it's basically like the origin story of the Joker and how disaffection in society and like getting continually beat down inspires his movement. Mm. And yeah, like a lot of people are coming out saying like this is just going to lead to a spate of incel violence. And to me. The Joker will lead to incel violence is Harry Potter will lead to Satanism for yeah. people who drink kombucha. Like, yeah. that, like that is what it is. You yeah. can't say this art form should be banned because of what we think it's going to do to kids. You've got to go, let's have the art form, let's talk about why we don't like it and let's talk to our kids about what is good and what's bad. On that logic, you can't have anything negative in a film. Yeah, no violence. Sorry, Quentin Tarantino. Yeah. Or uh, you can't have racism or you can't yep. have the Holocaust or you can't have... People getting, you know, cheated on. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Because it's what, just like, oh, what if what if it inspires people to do that? What an absolutely boneheaded idea. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so I can't wait to see it. And uh, good on top. Oh, well, the reason it's Tom Phillips is the hero and rather than just bolts, <laughs> <laughs> bolts ivory tower. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, Tom Phillips has gotten onto this. So he's like talking about all the uh, criticism that he's getting. And he says, it's because outrage is a commodity. I think that's something that's been commodity for a while. What's outstanding to me in the discourse for this movie is how easily the far left could sound like the far right when it suits their agenda it's been really mm. eye-opening for me exactly right well Todd Phillips, hero all right let's go over to the villains which yep. is our walter peck villainy award it's basically the inverse anyone that stood up for tyranny and against freedom we're running a bit long so let's make this quick i'll make hey, it quick man uh who is your villain of the week my villain this week is the drought communities program extension and the bureau of meteorology they awarded the moyne shire in victoria southeast a million dollars in drought assistance now, a counsellor for the Moyne Shire, uh, the guy's name is... Colin Ryan. Colin, Colin Ryan. He said, we are not in drought, it's green, we're enjoying a good season. Now, what happened was they, they the bomb provided the, this other government, government body with a map of Australia which said Moyne was 60% in drought. These people that say they can predict climate in the future can't even say if a Shire right now is in drought or not. So, bomb yep. and the Drought Communities Program Extension for giving a million dollars to a shy not in drought, you're a villain. Yeah, well, uh, and we should say, like, Colin Ryan's rejected the funding. They rejected and it. And for, for that purpose, Australian of the Year. Like, <laughs> any yeah. politician that's turning down federal government funding, Australian yeah. of the Year, immediately. I bet, I bet you they haven't moved Australia, though. Yeah, and I, it's, I love the classic idea of, like, well, you may think you live in green, but our graph here tells yeah. you differently. Yeah, if you, if you <laughs> if look you, at this map. If you look at this map with heat waves, mm. you'll see that you're living in hell. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, classic stuff. All right, my one is the Victorian <laughs> court system, which has been copying it a fair bit over the last couple of years mm. with some... Uh, questionable sentencing and this one's another one so 
People in Melbourne and Victoria, and I think we talked about it on the show, so any listeners might remember that back in April, vegan protesters shut down uh, Melbourne CBD for a little bit as they were protesting animal husbandry. Uh, So their sentence got put down. People that had blocked off city traffic, that have disrupted thousands of people's lives, Mm. their sentence got handed down. Uh, They were ordered to pay a $100 fine to an animal sanctuary each. Sorry, what did you say? They were ordered to pay (laughs) $100 to an animal sanctuary each. So they borrowed 100 bucks off their parents yep. and gave it to a charity they would they have supported. They already anyway. would have supported. Like, uh, everyone's doing the jokes, like, the exact same joke, but it is literally a Are case you saying of, I'm like, original? <laughs> no, 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 but, like, everyone's doing a, this is the punishment of you play too many video games, so we're going to give you $100 to spend on yeah. FIFA My Player Ultimate Team. Yeah, you get drunk and disorderly, you can... Donate to a brewery. Yeah, exactly. So uh, Melbourne Court System, they are the villain of the week. Yeah. All right, let us go to our interview with Daisy Cousins. Cool. Okay, we now welcome back onto the show famous YouTuber and Sky News After Dark conspirator Daisy Cousins. Welcome back. Thank you. Great to be here. Now, uh, Daisy, this week Australia got brought straight into the Trump impeachment things with all these stories. So how exactly did Australia get into the international news cycle? Well, for some reason, Bill Shorten and Anthony Albanese still fresh off their bitterness after um, unexpectedly losing the election earlier in the year have have brought up this phone call uh, between Donald Trump and Scott Morrison um, about an investigation into the uh, Mueller report for Russian collusion, which, as we know, turned out to be the greatest conspiracy theory of the past 100 years. Hence the fact I'm not surprised that Trump is wanting to do a bit of an investigation into it. Now, this was a very, according to Scott Morrison, he went on Sky News and did an interview with David Spears, and we know David Spears asks the tough questions, and he did. He said it was a very uneventful phone call, not long at all, where Trump simply said, can you give me a point of contact within the Australian government so we can organise this inquiry? And Scott Morrison said, okay. Now, of course, the media, the uh, the fake news media went nuts over that, and Labour leaders, past and present, went nuts over that and said, oh, oh, the Prime Minister needs to tell us the whole truth, blah, blah, blah. Well, anyway, it turns out Joe Hockey actually offered Australia's assistance in a letter months ago. And Scott Morrison said that he said yes to Trump simply under the assumption that Australia had already said yes. And that, in fact, considering our alliance with the US is so strong and so longstanding, it would actually be unusual for him to say no. So this is another giant furphy concocted by people who have personal vendettas rather than political ones to smear and discredit conservative leaders, evidently, in obviously in America, but evidently in Australia as well. And um, a lot of my, I did a live, stream, a live stream tomorrow on this very topic, and, you know, one of the questions from the Americans was, hey, this is happening in our media. Is this making the media over there? Or what's everyone reacting? And I'm like, yeah, everyone... Chill out. It's another nothing burger. It's okay. Daisy, we were discussing earlier on the show how much the Australian media enjoys one of those rare moments when we're actually in the centre of global affairs. Do you do you see that as well? The Australian losing its mind. The Australian media. Um, yeah, they're, they're they're pretty chuffed with themselves. I'm I'm, st- I'm still sort of getting up to date on on the coverage. I mean, it's not every day that um, Australia does end up in the middle of the global media landscape. I mean, really, we see that spot taken up by the USA pretty much all of the time. 
with a little bit of relief, I guess, from the UK at the moment with Brexit. But really, it seems to be that American politics is um, the star of the global show. And um, it's interesting. A lot of the, the questions I get from my followers is, why are you so interested in American politics? And I say, well, because it has a giant cultural flow on effect in Australia. For us, it's sort of like reality TV. You know what I mean? So the only time Australian politics really enters the fray generally is if it's connected to America. So I, I think um, we're all a little bit excited about this and I'm um, interesting to see where it plays. And I'm just grateful, though, it's for something as um, trivia, trivial as this and a, not another leadership spell. Yeah, the other aspect is, like, American politics is just straight up better than Australian politics. I mean, like, the RBA cuts have led the front pages for three straight days. That wouldn't last 20 <laughs> minutes in America before people had moved on to the next thing. It's, yeah, uh, oh, it's just so yeah. much more fun. It is tough. Oh, I fully, I fully agree with you. I fully agree with you. It's very tough to compete when something is very important but as boring as interest rates is dominating the Australian news cycle. Uh, the other, I like what Greg Gutfeld said about it because, like, the Australian thing comes up fresh off the, uh, you know, Trump calling Ukraine president uh, about the stuff. So it, it's clearly like the Democrats went all in on impeachment proceedings. Um, with the Ukraine stuff, that seems to already be starting to lose steam. So immediately the Australian one gets picked up as an international news story. Greg Gutfeld said, like, this is basically a field of dream strategy. If you just build the impeachment proceedings, the impeachment will come. Uh, is that what you're seeing as well? Yeah, look, I, I'm really puzzled by um, this whole impeachment thing because they certainly seem to be building on it or at least attempting to build on it. Nancy Pelosi obviously thinks she has a case. But if you take it step by step, this this phone call that Trump had with the Ukrainian president, I'm sure we've all read it, it was so banal and normal. The only thing that was dedicated to investigating the Bidens was about one paragraph where Trump very sort of lightly said, oh, hey, maybe you could just do this thing for me. They talked about Rudy Giuliani more than they did about um, investigating the Bidens. So when you look at it like that, um, Trump actually hasn't done anything wrong in an objective sense. It's all how you interpret the letter. I mean, I look at, sorry, not the letter, the, uh, the phone call. The transcript. I mean, I look at that and I think, well, I don't really mind world leaders having that kind of conversation, but you can interpret it as, oh, well, perhaps they shouldn't be uh, doing each other favours that aren't in the general public interest, or perhaps you could interpret this as quid pro quo or pressure, etc. So the only way you can pull out, oh, Trump did bad, is if you twist the phone call um, into a particular way. Now, if you compare that to the impeachment of Bill Clinton back in the 90s, where he had really done wrong, including, for instance, per Surgery. I, I mean, he clearly committed crimes there. So it was very easy to build a case and to say, hey, this guy should probably be impeached. Compare this to Trump, and it, it's just so silly. And Nancy Pelosi must know that it is more than likely going to fail because in order – look, it's likely – I reckon it'll pass the House because the um, Democrats have the majority there. But in the Senate, not only do the – Republicans have the majority, you also need a two-thirds supermajority in order to actually um, 
kick someone out of office, any public official, including a president. So what on earth is she playing that? All this is going to do is dominate the um, political news cycle for the next four or five months, detract totally from the Democrat presidential candidate's policy, annoy everyone even more by talking about stuff that's a waste of time and money. And my theory is that maybe she's done this because she has zero faith in her 19 presidential candidates and is thinking maybe the way to beat Trump is to have this shadow of impeachment hanging over him. Well, that's an interesting point, Daisy. I was going to ask you about that. What do you think the long-term ramifications are for this? Because we were sort of talking earlier that perhaps actually Trump's base will actually support him more as a result of what they perceive as, you know, uh, the establishment going after him. Well, we can see that in the fundraising, actually. I mean, for for starters, Trump has raised a significant amount more um, than Obama had at this exact point in his presidency, and certainly tens of millions more than any of his um, Democrat contenders. But since this impeachment stuff has happened, they got 50,000 new donations to the Republican National Committee in two days. Okay, two days. So that's really his base absolutely rallying around him completely in the face of yet another kind of pointless smear by the fake news media and, of course, the Democrats. Um, And the interesting thing is I was looking at the polls today about um, who wants impeachment, who doesn't. I was looking at the 538. And let me pull it up here for you so we have these numbers. Here we go. So at the moment, 46.7% of the population support impeachment, whereas 45.1% don't support. Now, that is not alarming because that basically mirrors the 2016 election results. So what you hear is you have here is the same sort of bitter leftists who are going, impeach, impeach, impeach Trump for any little perceived offense. And then the Republicans who are going... God, no, please don't. And then the independence is somewhere in the middle. And if you want to take it party by party, 70, no, 79.6% of Democrats want to impeach, but only 12.1% of Republicans do. So his support is as strong as ever amongst the Republican base and certainly building considering those uh, fundraising donations. Yeah, I saw another very interesting poll that I think President Trump tweeted out from Breitbart showing that 97% of respondents on Breitbart stand with President Trump, which, uh, you know, Kim Jong-un looks at that mm-hmm. and he wonders how to get <laughs> anyway near there. Uh, Daisy, another one. Uh, thank you for bringing the hardcore statistics. But if there's one thing Pete and I like on the show, it's memes. And I don't know if you saw Donald Trump this morning <laughs> tweeting out, uh, you know, like just because we're talking about the impeachment. So Donald Trump tweeted out this video. If you can't, if you're listening instead of watching this show, it's basically just a parody of what Joe Biden's dealings with is with Ukraine. So, so if you could cue that up, please. Have you ever spoken to your son about his overseas business dealings? I've never spoken to my son about his overseas business dealings. Look at this photograph. Every time I do, it makes me laugh. How did our eyes get so red? And what the hell is on Joey's head? Yeah, so for people listening, that was uh, like a photograph playing over a photo of Joe Biden, his son, and a Ukrainian uh, executive playing golf together. Uh, have we reached the pinnacle of meme culture in that the president is just purely communicating <laughs> through memes? I mean, our uh, previous generations had the fireside chats. We now have Books. memes. <laughs> I, I think you might be exactly right there. I, I think Donald Trump has uh, cemented himself as the greatest internet troll of our times. 
He is the king of Twitter. He is the king of memes. He is the god emperor overlord of the internet. And I've said this a few times. I thought, who'd have thunk the king of the internet would end up being a 74-year-old man? I mean, it's pretty extraordinary. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Uh, I also just like, uh, I can't believe that song is back on people's radar. That's the first time I've heard that song since year 12 broke up. <laughs> and I'm just glad. That, <laughs> like, this is Nickelback's biggest moment ever, and it's 15 years after they were relevant. Were Nickelback pretty, ever relevant? That's pretty funny. <laughs> that's some pretty good Well, that's songs. the thing. I was never a huge fan of them, but I had a few friends who were. But um, yeah, I hope they're uh, I hope they're thankful to Donald Trump, even if they hate him. They might be giant lefties. I'm not sure, but at least they'd be thinking, well, at least when pin tweets on the most notorious Twitter account on the planet's wall. Yeah, their Spotify charts just probably jumped up a fair bit. <laughs> I did. Uh, I did listen to that this morning. I must admit, <laughs> brought back a few memories. Uh, all right, so Daisy, let's uh, change topics here for a second. So another thing you've been talking about on your YouTube channel is the climate movement in the wake of Greta Thunberg's speech. Uh, so what do you make of Greta Thunberg? Is she the world's saviour or is she a manipulated teenager? Oh, God. Um, poor Greta Thunberg. I have so much sympathy for that girl. I've made a, a few videos on her. And in the first one I made it clear, um, I'm not dismissing her because she has autism you know and depression there's been plenty of wonderful leaders throughout history who've been struggling with mental health and neurological health and i'm not saying that people shouldn't take what she's saying seriously she's an incredibly intelligent girl and obviously very very driven the problem is she is being indulged and exploited by adults who really should know better you've got to think with greta she's had an absolute nightmare of a time over since she was about eight years old with her mental health. I mean, she's very open about her Asperger's. She also has autism, obsessive compulsive disorder, history of depression, a history of anxiety. She had an eating disorder when she was 11 that caused her to lose 11, about 10 kilograms in about a month. Plus, there was the selective mutism where for a number of months she didn't talk to anyone except her mother, her father, and her sister. And all of this um, was to do with the anxiety she felt over climate change because you look at the conditions she has, that she has, they make her predispositioned to anxiety and fear and fixation. So this isn't a matter of a girl thinking, oh, goodness, well, there's a problem, you know, we've got a problem here and we need to find a solution. She lives in a literal state of genuine terror that she's going to die a premature death because of climate change. Now, ordinarily, a girl in her circumstances would be counseled out of that and protected from this climate alarmism so she can enjoy some sort of quality of life. But here, the opposite is happening. She's being dumped into the spotlight, um, having all her worst fears confirmed by the adults around her the, who have this globalist agenda. And she's not. She's been, you know, in, in the worst possible position, which is, is in the, media, the middle of the media cycle. And I think it's child abuse. Yeah, because, uh, like, when that speech, when she gave that speech to the UN, I was expecting that to be, like, the famous Gillard sexism in Parliament speech. Like, that would be played at schools, it would be played at universities, it would be just, you know, in the culture for months and months afterwards. But it's kind of gone away because I kind of feel that, like, there was a lot of her supporters who watched her give that speech and watched the state that she was in and just thought, I don't feel comfortable with this anymore. Like, I, like, I think people are starting to wake up to, hang on, maybe... Uh, Greta Thunberg isn't the saviour and maybe she is being manipulated. 
Oh, definitely. I, I agree. And I ha- I was chatting to um, some people the other day who have very different views of me um, on politics, but we all agreed on Greta. And um, just she looked she looked like a distressed teenager, you know, saying these terrible things like you've stolen my dreams and my childhood with big tears in her eyes. I mean, who could look at that and think that's in any way acceptable that she's been allowed to get herself into that state? I mean, I don't have children, but I'm of maternal age, shall we say, and my kind of motherhood spidey senses were, 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 were setting off these big alarm bells and I thought you, you, you poor little kid um, so I think people have realised that this is an extreme movement there is extreme pressure being put on her and I hope they're kind of starting to move on and realise that this is not a good scene Righto Daisy, we've got time for one more we saw Antifa uh, abuse and block an elderly couple from entering a political event in Canada this week do we need a hotline for angry Antifa operatives who can't stand old people having an opinion <laughs> I, I, think we, I think we possibly do I mean, oh my god, that that footage needs to be the face of Antifa. Mm. I mean, I talked about this on on your dad's show. Those that sweet was that me or Ben? <laughs> I don't know. Dad had a show. <laughs> he's retired now, so he's no, got a bit I, extra time for stuff like that. Oh, of course. No, on the, I talked about it on the vault report. Um, but um, yeah, this sweet little old couple could not have posed a physical threat if they tried, and yet you had these masked thugs yelling in their faces, even though the woman was on a walker. So what I what I think that proves to us is that Antifa's greatest threat, what they perceive as the greatest threat, isn't Nazis or white supremacists or fascists or whatever they talk about. It's dissent. They can't handle dissent no matter who it comes from. So you could be the sweetest little old couple, one of them practically immobile, but if you are heading to an event uh, hosted by people they don't like, in this case it was uh, Dave Rubin and um, Maxime Bernier, then you're evidently a Nazi and evil and no matter who you are, you're a threat and must be physically intimidated. And uh, that needs to be the face of Antifa. And that needs to be put to people like Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez and Ayanna Presley, who not only refused on camera to condemn Antifa, they also helped fundraise for them a little while ago by retweeting the bail funds of the um, Antifa activists that were arrested at the uh, trollish straight pride parade. So they're literally fundraising for people who are domestic terrorists. That needs to be put to them to say, hey, you can join Antifa, you support them. This is also what you support. All right, brilliant. Daisy, thanks so much for coming on. Uh, make sure you subscribe to Daisy Cousins' YouTube page and, uh, yeah, we'll talk in future. Thank you so much. Great to be there. All right, we're now joined by the University of Adelaide Campus Coordinator for the IPA's Generation Liberty Program, Angus Heaton. Angus, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. How are you today? I'm very well. How are you? Oh, look, mate, I'm really good. So the reason we've got you on the show is because you're holding an event called How Do We Fix Australia's Energy Crisis? Tell us why that's important and how do people sign up? Um, Well, in being South Australian, we've had a bit of history with Uh, blackouts and and energy in our state. So I just think that it's really important that students at university um, have the opportunity to hear the debate about what the best source of energy is for for our state and for the country. Um, To sign up, the Facebook event is going up um, this afternoon. So just go to the Generation Liberty Facebook page and, yeah, click on the event. All the details will be on there. Yeah, so it's at the University of Adelaide, is it? Yeah, that's right, on campus. 
Uh, so what I like about this event is that you've got someone from all aspects of the energy debate. You've got someone who's going to be pro-nuclear, you've got someone who's going to be pro-fossil fuels, and you've got someone who's going to be pro-renewables. The one thing I thought uh, I would have liked to have seen is another speaker to say that we should have more Elon Musk batteries. Mm. <laughs> well, yeah, that's right, because we've got, I think, the world's biggest battery in South Australia, thanks to Elon. So. I'm sure the person who advocates for renewables will have something to say about that. Well, that's good to hear. That's great to hear. So this is time to, uh, to around all the climate change strikes which have been occurring over the last couple of weeks. What's the feeling of the mm-hmm. student body, body towards that? Are they for it? Are they, are they against it? Are they mixed? What's the story? Um, there was a pretty big contingent from Adelaide Uni that went to the climate strike. I didn't go personally, but um, they're all marching down North Terrace. So um, it would appear that people are pretty passionate about it, but... Again, you know, there was only a couple of hundred students out of however many we have at the uni. So I'm really not sure what most people think, to be honest. Yeah, because that's something we were talking about on our show uh, when the climate strikes were happening was it did seem that the last few strikes were probably more well attended than these ones, even though this one had a fair bit of press. Was was that something you saw at Adelaide? Yeah, I think so, Um, particularly because just how much of a media spectacle this has become. I think more people are hearing about it and go along either in support or just to see what's happening i think so if you could if you if there was one message that you wanted uh, attendees to take away from the event that you're holding what would that message be um good question i think just that you know it's all well and good to have greta thunberg on the news crying about a mass extinction happening but i think at the end of the day we need to have a sensible conversation about um where we're going to get our energy from, what we need to be doing about climate change, and just to have a a rational debate rather than scaremongering. All right. For those that are interested, these events are happening at other universities around Australia in the coming weeks and months. So keep an eye on the Generation Liberty Facebook for details of that. Uh, We'll move on now. So you're enemy number one at your university, uh, Angus. (laughs) You you moved a motion with the SRC, I believe, to welcome the Ramsey Centre to the University of Adelaide. What happened then? Uh, Yes, so I'm on the AUU board um, and I moved a motion suggesting that we um, look at entering into a partnership with the Ramsey Centre because I know it's happened at a couple of other unis. Um, Then the SRC wrote a nice media release about me basically saying that I'm affiliated with the Institute of Public Affairs, a, quote, radical right-wing think tank. So they're obviously not very happy about that. Um, So 50-odd students actually rocked up to that meeting, most of whom were socialists and they were not really interested in hearing the debate. They were just, you know, there to shout me down and, and call me a fascist and all those nice names. Well, they were really, they actually sort of sold it a bit short because they said you're affiliated. You're actually employed by the IPA, but that's all right. It's a pretty yeah, strong affiliation. <laughs> what, uh, so how, then what happened? How did the motion end up? Uh, the motion didn't pass. So um, two of us, there's 10 directors, two of us voted in favour, um, four abstained and four voted against. Four so abstained. you need a majority. Abstentions are always, you know, Pick a side, I reckon. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> who were they? So who were the abstentions? Um, Let's name names. From, I mean, from, <laughs> so they're all from one faction. They're Progress, who are basically made up of um, largely international students. Um, and I think they probably just abstain because it's, you know, it's a pretty controversial thing. I also like the idea that like they try and muster the forces of socialism to bring you down and they can only whip up 50 people in a crowded university. I mean, like, yeah. that's not yeah, the biggest no, sign. Yeah, I was expecting a few more, to be honest. Uh, all right, so, uh, but I would imagine like with your work with Generation Liberty, like we can laugh about mm. uh, the hatred you get from socialists, but like you get a lot of positive feedback at the University of Adelaide, surely. 
Yeah, absolutely. So we had um, a similar sort of debate earlier in the year and that was quite well attended and everyone who was there said it was really good and they had a good time. So a lot of people seem to be um, at least interested, if not willing to actively get on board and participate. That's what I reckon because people often say oh, you work at the IPA, you must get a lot of criticism and you do get criticism, but you get vastly more uh, praise, unwarranted I think in our case, for our work. Anyway, what's the scene like in South Australia uh, generally, Angus? We don't do that much stuff on South Australia on the Young IPA podcast. Are there many liberty-minded people at the university there? Um, there are, I think. the So the University Liberal Club and there are a couple of other sort of um, – uh, liberty-minded groups on campus as well. Um, it's pretty good. Like, you know, things seem to be pretty well attended. And, yeah, I think a lot more students are steadily um, being more willing to, I don't know, express their opinions and, you know, attend things. All right, Angus. Well, thank you so much for your time, mate. Uh, once again, if you want to see more information about that event, go to the Generation Liberty Facebook page. Angus, thanks for coming on the show. Thanks so much for having me. Okay, we're back with another edition of Hey, What Did We Miss? The Young IPA Quiz. We've got a very fun quiz for you this week. We've got returning champion Andrew Bushnell. We've got Theodora. We've got Pete. It is all off. Yeah, uh, let's so, do it. All right, so if this is your first quiz, basically it's one point if you get it right, one point if you don't. I'm talking to the people watching at home, Pete. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. One point if you get it right, one point off if you don't. Uh, buzzers are going to be your first names because we still don't have buzzers. So, uh, Pete. Oh, roof, roof. Oh, yeah, of course, the roof seal for Theodora. TP. TP and Bushnell. I'll stick with Dusty because I won last week. Well, that did trip you up last week. No, 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 uh, but this time you know, I'm used I, I to feel, it. I feel you only separated yourself from the pack once you abandoned the Dusty yeah. <laughs> and reverted back to Andrew. No, 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 no. I still I used, I was consistent. And I will say that the only news that I've read this week is Richmond related. Okay. So. <laughs> I reckon you might be okay for one of them. You can't get rid of Dusty this week. No, absolutely not. Uh, all right. So are we all ready to go? Yep. Any questions yep, for the host? No, we're all good. Okay, cool. All right, so question one. Who won the 2019 AFL Grand oh, Final? Roof, roof. Uh, Give it to Dusty. <laughs> Give it to Dusty. Richmond. They did indeed, <laughs> and what a great day it was. See, Theodore, you should have watched it. Then you no, I knew it. who won. Oh, okay. <laughs> well, where were you on the answer? All right, okay. Uh, question two. Now, we're going to get a bit more serious now. Okay. Right? Uh, as much as I would love to do nine questions about how good Marlon Pickett was. All right, uh, question two. China this week marks 70 years of communist rule. How long did the USSR last? Roof, Dusty. Roof. We'll refer if just 69. It did indeed. Very nice, Pete. Back of the net. Back of the net. Uh, all right, question three. Uh, 36 vegan protesters admitted to causing an obstruction when they shut down parts of Melbourne CBD in April. Uh, how much were they fined? TP. Uh, $100 donated to an animal shelter. Absolutely correct. Um, $100 that'll, that'll each definitely to teach them. That'll learn them. Yeah. <laughs> 100 bucks. Uh, they have to borrow 100 bucks off their parents. For that. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and then to an animal shelter that they would have donated to anyway. Yeah. So, uh, you know... Another another big tick for the Melbourne court system. All right. Uh, according to IPA research fellow Kurt Wallace, for every one page... Roof, roof. Oh, there we go. Eight. Eight is correct. Sorry. Uh, it was in Hey, What Did I Miss? It was in week. Hey, What Did I Miss? Sorry, if that anyone missed it out there who fire. watches, sorry, Kurt Wallace's new video that's available on all of our social media channels and our website mm -hmm. on regulatory dark matter for every one page of legislation that actually comes out of Parliament, you can get another eight pages from regulators that you won't end up seeing. Very Unaccountable. stuff. Unaccountable. Uh, regulatory dark matter, get on it. All right, uh, question five. Oh, sorry, quick, quick score check for the yeah. panel. So Pete's on two, yes. Theodora is on one, and Andrew is also on one. Pretty tight. P pretty tight. 
A lot to play for. Mm-hmm. Uh, all right, so Australia Post and the Royal Australian Mint go. will release a new $1 coin for each letter of the alphabet, and each coin's got like a uh, iconic Australian thing attached to it. So, for example, V has Vegemite and F has footy. What is A? Dusty. Ooh. Dusty. Look at him. Intent. He's got it. He's losing it. Australia Post. It is Australia Post. How is that an iconic thing starting <laughs> with A? That is garbage. <laughs> that, is, that is not iconic. Yeah, I like... I like uh, it's literally, they've just gone, we're the most iconic thing. We're pretty good. <laughs> we're better than it. By, by the way, those coins are awesome. Like Z for Zupa Dupa. Exactly. That is a good one. That's there iconic. were some good M ones. M for meat pie. Like, yeah. Y for Yowie. I'm surprised that that got approved. Like there is absolutely no like PC content <laughs> in the 26 yeah. at all. It's yeah, amazing. Wait, which one, didn't, which one are you surprised got approved? All of them. All of them. Yep. The entire thing. Because, well, because it's like... Um, Kind of a throwback to like a kind of ochre kind of Aussie thing yeah. rather than like a whole lot of buzzwords. I think the uh, intersection of people that collect coins and people that care about world culture is very sparse. I reckon they're two different circles. I'm on the not Venn sure diagram. that the coin collection <laughs> circle interacts or overlaps no. with too many other no, circles at all. They've just got the one circle <laughs> that is we care about coins yep. and we're all over the age of 80. I'm going to collect those coins though. But then I don't overlap with too many others. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> Uh, all right, sweet. Okay, well, who wrote to the US Attorney General to offer Australia's help? Dusty. Mid- oh, Joe Hockey. Joe Hockey. Bushnell pulling away. Andrew on three. Peter on two. Theodora on one. Uh, all right, so question, what are we up to? Something. Seven. Uh, Sydney's lockout laws is said to be scaled back. True or false? Oh, oh. oh, wow. Too early. There's more question to go. Sorry. Theodora just so take a miracle. Can I retract? Can, already, can I retract? Well, you can retract it, but you're going to lose the point anyway. So I would either give yourself a true or false. There is a 50% chance of you getting this right. True. It is true. I say King's Cross will still have lockout laws placed upon it. Yeah. Theodora with an absolute oh, steal. The Fortune favors the brave. Fortune does favor the brave. Uh, all right. So, in the viral video, who was stopped by Antifa from entering a Red Dave Proof. Rubin event? An old lady. An old lady is correct. <laughs> I was like, I knew it was an old lady, but it's like, do I need to yeah, name <laughs> Exactly. Her occupation, why yeah. she was attending. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Antifa always standing up against the, uh, you know, the oppressors of society, yeah. including an old lady trying a, to cross the street. It was a rough video. Like, it was. Like, this is actually sad. I think she had yeah. a, like a Zimmer frame. Yeah, she yeah. did indeed. That, yeah. That's got to be one of those ones like the Mitchell and Webb sketch, which I think I've referenced. Like, you've got to be in the, th- you've got to be in the line holding up an old lady and preventing her from crossing the road and just look at yourself and go. Am I the bad guy in this situation? Yes, <laughs> this doesn't this doesn't feel good. Mm. All right, cool. Uh, so last question before we get into the Who Am I? The Joker movie out this week Ooh. is said to be the most controversial film of the year. Who directed it? Oh, you told me this before. I did. Should but have been listening to me instead of just waiting uh, for your Dusty, turn to speak. My rule is to not listen. Though. Todd Phillips. It is Todd Phillips. Good work, Dusty. <laughs> All right, so coming into the Who Am I? We've got Andrew on four. We've got Peter on three. We've got Theodora on two. Anyone can still win it. Yeah. We don't need the absolute Hail Mary uh, five-point answer, <laughs> yeah. which is always a treat. But if anyone does want to throw out a five-point Hail Mary answer, that is always fantastic. All right, so uh, five points. Uh, my famous book on capitalism was published on this day, recording on Tuesday, on this day in 1867. Think out loud. This is a um, video-based quiz. Hang on. Just... Just fill the void. No. (laughs) Got nothing. (laughs) Anyone want to fire anything off? This is is another economics. Who am I? This is two weeks I reckon Pete is stitching. (laughs) (laughs) If you think. (laughs) If you think think I will do anything to help Pete win this quiz, you are out of your mind. Yeah, no. no. All right, no one wants to take a stab. I don't want to risk it. You will lose a point if you get it wrong. Okay. Uh, So while that book was published in 1867, for four points, my most famous book, was published in 1848. 
Roof, 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 oh, roof. Marx. It is Karl Marx. Yes. Peter has reclaimed his clothes. Karl Marx the first time. Because you said 1887 when you read out the clothes, I would have got it. Go to the tape. I, I, I said it's 1867. How dare you? Uh, all right. No, I'm just uh, <laughs> clutching at straws here. So <laughs> oh, I feel <laughs> so ashamed. You won the flag. Take, don't you know what it is? He's so uh, used to victory with Richmond. You've been presented with defeat. You don't quite know how to compartmentalize it. You've got absolute bolt must have screwed up here. Bitterness as well. All right. I thought you were going to get something a little bit more complex about Richmond. Yeah. Rather than who yeah. won. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. uh, well, I was going to, like, this is quite the thing because, like, I thought until very recently the fact that Richmond have won two out of the three last flags uh, was one of the most amazing things I'd ever seen. But Pete's mm. won two out of the last three quizzes. Mm. That is far more impressive. And I should have won last year just like Richmond. <laughs> exactly. You choked <laughs> in the last week. couple of questions. Anyway. Right. Sweet. Uh, that is it for this quiz. So, uh, yeah, we've got more show for you guys coming up after this. Thank you very much. Congratulations, Pete. Another quiz win for you. Yep. Uh, this, you know, we're in... I, I never thought I'd be here mm. with Pete as dominant as your run has been. A true Richmond of the last three years yeah. run for Peter. After uh, decades of dysfunction, now I'm top of the pile. <laughs> <laughs> all right, sweet. Uh, let's run through some stories and made us laugh this week. Uh, all right, so I we got a new segment for you guys. Yeah. Uh, it's basically... We do, a a lot of nanny sta- we do a lot of nanny straight stories here on the show. Mm. We want to start putting them into a collected group. Segment form. Segment form. Uh, so this is new segment. Segment, won't someone please think of the children? Oh, won't somebody please think of the children? Yeah, so this is just a classic freak out because kids are being yeah. exposed to, you know, what the real world is. Glad we finally got uh, some Simpsons in the show. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's been a long struggle for me to get uh, my favourite TV show in. All right, so the story is, uh, and it's something we've been following for a while, but the Sydney lockout laws, the whole will they be repealed or not, had an update this week. It looks like they will be axed in the CBD, but retained in King's Cross and venues rewarded for self-reporting bad behaviour. So that seems to be the takeout. That's probably what the government's going to end yep. up doing. Um so, but I just like the fact that the lockout laws are still going to remain in the King's Cross. It's like, okay, we'll repeal the lockout in laws. In the King's Cross. <laughs> in the King's Cross. Okay. Uh, we'll repeal the lockout laws, just not in the one place where it'd be awesome to do it. Yeah, where everyone wants to go. Yeah, exactly. Like the best the best thing we have, we're still not going to use it. Exactly right. And so just to clarify, this is the, rep- the inquiry handed down its report and the government is predicted to do what they say. Yeah. yeah so it's like, not 100% in but, more yet. you know, it's most likely going to Yeah, we, we can this. read the tea leaves. <laughs> yeah, the tea leaves is telling us one thing. And that is drinking is back on the menu. This is why most of Sydney. Yeah, this is why you got to fight stuff when it happens because it's so hard to wind it back. And even when they do wind it back, they don't wind it all the way back. Yeah, yeah. You just hope that like the graphs of people saying Sydney's actually kind of fun mm. skyrockets, yeah. and there's no more ads of people going to bowling and then going to go see Aladdin and then calling it a night. Ooh. Uh, Rough. If you don't know what I'm talking about, Google that ad. It is hilarious. Uh, so, yeah, there's that story. All right. Uh, so, another story we've got. So, mm. Clover Moore, Pete, tell, talk us through it. Well, stay in Sydney because we've done a lot of AFL stuff in the last couple of weeks. So, we want to, you Go know, Tigers. make sure our Sydney people are Just happy. Make sure we're getting a good shot of the scarf. Oh, uh, yeah. For Just those watching on short. YouTube, you're missing absolutely nothing. Uh, <laughs> now, a few weeks after uh, Clover Moore, uh, Lord Mayor of Sydney, wrote to the government saying Australia was facing a climate emergency. Thank God a local government finally did that. Energy Minister Angus Taylor wrote back a letter, which was in the Daily Telegraph this week, which was pretty funny. Now, he wrote in part, I'll read parts of it, to Clovermore, you might be interested to know that there are many practical ways local councils can take real and meaningful action to reduce their carbon emissions. One such example is to limit unnecessary air travel. Given your most recent annual report shows your council spent $1.7 million on international travel. This is a local council. 
uh, and $14.2 million on domestic travel, there is a real opportunity. So obviously a very sarcastic tone there, which was pretty funny. In February this year, Miss Moore and the council staff spent 39 grand on going to this very important conference in Paris, Women for Climate Conference. So we see a lot of really important stuff there for the local businesses in Sydney. So isn't it just absolutely typical of people like this, James? Yeah. So Clover Moore has been someone who's caught our ire a few times. Mm. Like she's the, good for content. Yeah, yeah. She's the person that's cut out all the park lights and also like uh, stopped wearing the mayoral mm. gear because apparently it was racist, racist but it wasn't. Uh, anyway, so. She, she, she gives us the goods, and uh, but I will defend her on this one point okay. because raised how she spent one point seven million dollars on international travel and fourteen point two million on domestic travel. In her defence, she was jetting around removing park lights so people could be assaulted carbon neutrally. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so uh, you know we've got to make sure like she is at least remaining on brand. Yeah, exactly. That's right. All right. Uh, the final story we got. So uh, Donald Trump, like we don't really do every podcast in the world does. What did Trump tweet this week? Mm. And it's pretty boring. But yeah. this one was just so good that we had to do it. So yeah. Donald Trump, you know, is copying it a lot with the uh, Ukraine story. Uh, so he just wanted to tweet out that people do support him. So he tweets out, if you can't read it, uh, it's from a bright... You can't really quite see it on YouTube here, but it's a Breitbart poll. So Breitbart being, you know, pretty pro-Trump in its best of times. Do you stand with President Trump? 97.83% yeah. yes, 2.1% no. Yeah. I mean, Kim Jong-un looks at those returns and goes, how's he doing it? Like, yeah. that's a lot of fun. Exactly. Uh, right. I mean, classic Trump just going like, this is hilarious. Yeah. Like, I assume it's intentional. Yeah. Um, but everyone's running with the Trump poll angle. But I actually looked through the rest of the Breitbart poll. Okay. And I found some pretty interesting returns. So okay. if we could just actually show the next graph, which is, do you stand with Pete? Uh, like, I'm at Peter 97%. 97.83% yes, 2.1% no. So people really stand with Pete. And I haven't actually seen this yet, but if we could... Oh, wait. It's a 97% rejection of me, so uh, I guess we'll just Ooh, have to end the show there. It's uh, pretty brutal. Um, <laughs> all right. Uh, that is it for the show this week. Thank you to uh, Daisy Cousins and Angus Heaton. Make sure you are telling your friends and family about the show. We're available on all podcast platforms. We're also now filming on YouTube, on the Young IPA Podcast mm. and YouTube channel. Subscribe if you haven't already. Uh, and if you do have friends that watch podcasts rather listen to them, let them know. Uh, see you guys next week. See you later.